0: Let's go, the Lord, in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the satisfier of our soul. Lord Jesus, we honor you. We praise you today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for salvation that you have given to us. You have satisfied our soul. You have forgiven our sins. You have graced us and blessed us with power in our lives to overcome sin by the Holy Spirit. You are the satisfier of our soul. You are the treasure that we have given up all so that we might have the joy of knowing You and following You. Christ, You are in us, Lord Jesus, the hope of glory. We thank You for Your majesty and Your grace. We worship and honor You today for satisfying our souls. So now, Lord, we come and turn again our attention to our families. We pray that You might help us as a church, whether we be parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, Whatever our particular assignment may be, Lord, we pray that you might help us as the spiritual leaders of our families to be serious-minded and live as godly men and women so that we might teach our children what it looks like to be godly and to follow Jesus Christ. We ask that today you would open the Word of God to our minds, that you would challenge us by the truths that we read, these life truths, and that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher today. And we thank you for the blessings that come to us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you who are here today. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest, we're delighted to have you. If you'll find your place in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1. We continue to study these days together and to think about the importance of, uh, of our family responsibilities as parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents. I have for you on your chair there, all of you in uh, both the balcony and below, all of you should find uh, one of these sheets in front of you. I wanted you to have, as we're talking about caring for the soul of your children, I thought it would be important for you to have the 10 life truths that I'll be talking about over the next few weeks. Uh, We've already talked about number one last week, Proverbs chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Today we'll be on number two, teach your children to resist the enticements of sin. So uh, then you have the other eight that will be listed there. On the back is a prayer that is uh, very meaningful to me. I wanted you to have this from an old preacher from many years ago. I hope that you'll keep this with you. If you have others, uh, if you've not been able to hear all that we've said about uh, this very important subject, as your pastor, I would invite you to go back and listen, if you can, to what I've said to you before. I, I want us all to be on the same page and understand these truths together. As we're thinking about what Joshua said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I hope that's what you say today. I hope you continue to say it, regardless of the age of your children, whether they're little babies or whether they're full grown, somewhere in between, whether your parents and grandparents, or whether your parents, grandparents, and great grandparents, wherever you find yourself uh, in this church, we are blessed by a number of um, relationships we have with our children. So we continue today to think about this most important matter in the life of your children caring for their souls. This most important matter of caring for their souls. I mentioned to you also last week that Proverbs chapter 1 through Proverbs chapter 9 is sometimes called uh, among the Jewish people, among the rabbis, this was the manual for the young. It is that place where they use these truths to teach uh, the young the ways of God. And I would encourage you to do the same. That's why I'm coming to them as we talked about together, our responsibility from Ephesians 6. I'm, I'm reviewing here. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. That's not your job to make them mad. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. Nurture them. That's the word, bring them up. It's your job to nurture them, to care for their souls, by giving them good training... And also by instructing them. So these are the things that I would describe to you that both include training and instruction for your children. We could have picked many other truths and some of you will fuss at me and say, Well, why didn't you pick this one or that one? These I felt like were the best um, for you to begin. So that you have some idea what to do. I've had several uh, dads say to me, Well, what do I do? What do I train them to do? Take this as your guide, perhaps as a starter. And those of you who are more advanced, you can go to Proverbs chapter 1 through 9, and you can find other great truths here that you can spend time teaching to your children. This is what God gave us in the book of Proverbs, and it's to be used for that purpose. So now you've had time to settle in. Proverbs chapter 1, we begin reading in verse number 7, and we read through verse number 19. Proverbs chapter 1, 7. Last week we read this together and talked about it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge... Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Then we read, "Fear my son." And this can be read, "Fear my children, sons and daughters." Hear my sons and daughters your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are graceful; wreath, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. My son, my children, if Sinners entice you, do not consent. That's our focus verse today. My children, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without cause, let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth, and we will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse, my son, my children. Do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless. To spread the baited net in the sight of any bird. It's useless. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessor. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. And may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher. Oh, teach uh, those of us here who have our responsibilities to our children, may we hear the Word of God. May boys and girls and students hear the warning here today from the Word of God that we might not be enticed and live as wicked sinners in a wicked world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our focal truth today is this. God's parent, uh, godly parents resist the enticements of sinners and teach their children to resist them. Godly parents, I'm speaking to our church and I'm appealing to you to live and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You must make a commitment to be a godly parent. You must follow Jesus Christ. You must serve the Lord Jesus and honor Him as Lord and Savior of your life. You must surrender to Him. You must be willing to live a life of holiness before your children. Godly parents, godly grandparents, Uh, They resist the enticements of sinners, of the world. And they teach their children what it looks like to resist the sinful enticements and the lifestyle of the world. I want to ask you this morning as we begin, what is your greatest desire for your children? As parents, what do you desire more than anything else that 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 they will be like when they're full grown? What is your goal? Maybe you've not thought about that. You should. You've been given your children and now they are a gift from God and He has placed them in your hands for you to be their steward and for you to be the first line of training in godliness and righteousness. So what is it? What is it that you believe? What is it you desire for them to be when they're fully grown? Is it something that, you're, uh, that you have as, as your own goal? You as parents, you, you and husband wife or wife and husband? Uh, or is it what God would have? Do you do you desire that your your children grow to be just as some have told me? Well, I just want my kids to be good, successful men and women. Good, successful, that's important. Good, successful, however you describe it, good. That is obeying laws and being obedient and being good to other people, showing goodness and kindness. Uh, I want my children to be good. I want them to be successful. I want them to have good jobs. I want them to have... Uh, the ability to be successful uh, in whatever ways you want to describe it. Lots of people say, that's the desire I have for my children. Others would say, well, the greatest desire I have for my children is I want them to be good, I want them to be successful, but I want them to also be church-going. I want them to know, well, it's important to go to church and uh, to hear God's Word and to worship. I think it's important for them to be church-going, good, and successful people. And there are a lot of people in the world uh, who've, uh, who've thought about that, and that's the way they have set the schedule and done their training and worked with their children, to be good, successful, church-going uh, adults. But perhaps we should come to the Word of God and see that God's desire is that first... Our children come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and that they live a life and walk in holiness. That they grow to be godly children. That they grow to understand who the Lord Jesus is and to glorify God in their bodies. I hope that that would be your goal. That's what all of these lessons are about that we're looking at in Proverbs. These life lessons help you to teach your children how to be godly God-fearing children who come to be adults who follow Jesus. I want to get in just a moment to this, uh, these principles that I have, but there's a very serious thing that I must mention to all of you today um, that I sometimes think is uh, forgotten when it comes to thinking about sin and sinfulness and the world. I want to remind you today, uh I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I am trying to make a very important point. There is a spiritual predator who is seeking to devour and destroy your children. There is a spiritual predator alive on planet Earth who is seeking to take and devour and destroy your children. It is the devil. We're concerned about predators in our world, but are you concerned about the spiritual super predator who never stops? His predatory work goes on 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. This one we call the devil and know him to be. The God of this world as the Lord Jesus called him. He's the God of this world for only a time until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And things are done with him, but oh, right now he is... He is a super spiritual predator seeking for whom he may devour. That includes every parent here. He doesn't want you to walk with God. He wants to do whatever he can to disqualify you if you're saved. And if you're lost, he wants to keep blinding your mind so that you never hear the truth of the gospel and you never believe, oh, there's a super predator out there. The Word of God tells us that He roams about, but He's also connected to a world system. A world system that is that He is God over, and He's God over this world. And every, every, generation, of, every generation of children born into the world are now under, because of their own sinfulness, they come under the... the, the uh, This authority and power of this super predator who seeks to control and keep those who are his and a world system demanding complete conformity. That's what the world wants from you. If you're saved and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've broken away from that conformity and demand of the world. Unless somehow you're one of those fooled people who thinks you can take part of the world and put it with your godly living and have some kind of hybrid and live in that and call that being saved and walking with God. No, the God of this world blinds the minds of unbelievers who live in bondage to sin. And He wants to keep them living in bondage to sin all their life. I'm talking about your children. And the world calls to each generation of children to live in continued ungodliness in wickedness and in bondage to sin and allegiance to the devil. That's why, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Someone has to stand up. Godly parents must rise up and say, I will do my task and my job to bring my children up in the fear and instruction of the Lord so that they might come to follow Jesus and honor Him. Don't forget about the super predator And a demanding world that wants your conformity, and if they get yours as parents, they get your children most likely. So, I have four observations for you today from verses number eight through 19. Number one, godly parents appeal, appeal. Again, we're coming back to this principle, we will come to it time and time again. Godly parents are the ones who take the initiative, not their kids. Godly parents appeal for their children not, not to reject their godly teachings. Number two, godly parents live and teach their children. They first live this way and then by their example and their words they teach their children not to consent to the enticement of sin and sinners. First it's you must teach them how to to avoid, how not to consent, how to resist the uh, the enticement of the world. And then third, godly parents live and teach their children not to consent or yield or resist to a lifestyle of sinfulness. That's what the world teaches. And finally, godly parents teach their children that sinners are on a path of self-destruction Headed toward a devil's hell. So we come back to the first word. Notice again the breakdown of these verses in Proverbs chapter 1. You have in verse 8, hear my son or hear my children. You have in verse 10, my son or my children. Then you have in verse 15, my son or my children. My children. My first responsibility is to my own children. I know some of us would like to straighten out everybody else's children, but first responsibility is to my children. My children. Hear my son. Hear my son. And then my son, my son. You have it three times in these words. Why is it that parents who are godly have such a desire and a continuing appeal to talk with their children about spiritual things? Well, do you know what the very last verse is? in the entire Old Testament says. Maybe that will get your attention this morning. Some of you know because you're good Bible scholars. Do you know what the last verse is? Well, it's in Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, by the way, after these words are said, after they're written, there were 400 years, no more prophets speaking to Israel. The message had been given, the prophecies had been given for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Malachi chapter 4, beginning in verse number 5, Behold, I. this is God saying, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet. That is, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, as the Lord Jesus said. He is going to come before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. That is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is great and glorious. When He first came, He died for our sins. The great coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in His first coming, and it is terrible when the Lord Jesus comes again. The great day of God, the judgment of God, will come upon the world. As a result, now listen to me, as a result of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a result of salvation in Jesus Christ, last verse in the entire Old Testament, He, that is the Lord, through Jesus Christ, He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. You know why? You know why godly parents continue to appeal to their children, even if they're full grown and not walking with God, even if they're little babies, even if they're students, wherever they are. You know why godly parents continue to appeal? Listen to the appeal. Hear my son, verse 8 your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. Hear what I'm saying to you, child. Hear what I'm saying to you as your father. And listen, and don't forget the direction of your mother. It's interesting these words that are used here in verse number 8. Because my heart has been turned from my sinfulness, and I've repented, the first thing I do is I turn my heart to my children not to other things, not to my own selfish desires. You see, this word for father's instruction has to do with this idea of discipline. Do not hear, my son, your father's training, your father's discipline. Pay attention to what I've... Showed you how to do and how to live. And also, do not forsake your mother's teaching. The word actually, the Hebrew word in verse 8 is Torah. The word for the law, the law of God. The word Torah actually means to point the way. To point the way. It's an interesting side note, and you can read it in the Kings and Chronicles. At the listing of every king in the Kings and Chronicles, whether they were godly or ungodly, you know who's listed with them? Not their father, their mother. Every single time. Because a father and a mother have something to do with how children come to be as adults. My mother's in a very hard place. She's at the end of life, and yet I'm going to tell you right now, I know what it's like when my mother's pointed her finger at me, and I'm still afraid of her. You should be too. When mama points the way, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. This is where you're supposed... Why were you over there? What were you doing? What were you thinking? There is an appeal that comes from those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I submit to you, And you're saved and your heart is right, the first thing you do is you turn your heart, your heart, your affections... Your desire, your love to your children. And you who are saved children, when you get right with God, the first thing you do is turn your heart back to your parents. What a wonderful and glorious thing it is to see godly families. Well, I wish I could say more about it. I'd only mention to you that the promise, the blessing of the teaching and instruction of a mom and dad. And by the way, that's the way God designed it. I'm not trying to belittle, and I know there are lots of hard situations. And I understand single parenting, and it's important. And we want to support in this church and help every single parent we have. But God's design is for one man, one woman to be married for life, and for them to bring up children to be trained to follow God. And it takes a mom and a dad because both of them do it in a different way. Fathers train and discipline children in one way and mothers do it in another way. You don't, you don't change the others. You allow them to work together. And you parents must learn to trust each other as parents and let the fathers do things as God has made them to do with children, the way they do it, and mothers to do it their way. It is instruction and it is teaching. It is discipline and is direction, pointing the way. And what do we get from that? Many of us in this room, I've said to you before, have been blessed by the teaching and instruction of our parents. Verse 9, it's like a graceful wreath on your head and ornaments about your neck. You know what happens when you've truly listened to your parents, boys and girls? People see it. That's what the Word of God's saying here. Like an like a honorable wreath, a gracious wreath on your head, a graceful wreath. And ornaments around your neck, like a necklace. You see, that's the blessing of having the teachings of your parents. When you go to school, when you go out to work, when you go out among the crowds, when you, there's something that stands out for those who listen to their parents' godly advice. And that's what he's saying here. Sadly, the sons of Eli, they did not listen To their godly father. In fact, 1 Samuel 2.25 says, They would not listen to the voice of their father. If you're here as a child in this room, you ought to listen like Solomon did, and be wise and listen to your your father's instruction. That's what we have in the book of Proverbs. He remembered the words he was taught from his godly father and mother. Secondly, godly parents live and teach their children... Not to consent. First of all, I want you to notice this to enticement in sin. Go now to verse number 10. My son, if sinners entice you, oh, they will entice you. They will entice you. And godly parents, Take the time to explain the powerful enticement of sin and a world of sin. You know why? Because children are born into this world as sinners, and sin attracts sinners, and sinners attract other sinners to sin. That's why we have this combination in verse 10. If sinners, number one, entice you, this idea of enticing you, of persuading you to do what they do and calling you to run with them and to consent and be willing to do the kinds of things they do. Listen, before I can talk about this, I must make a pause and remind you because this is a very strange world we live in today. If you're a parent here today of any age, if you're a grandparent, Uh, Here, with children of any age. You see, the world is not no longer just the physical world. We have, because of technology created, a, a virtual world. It's not real, but it's very real to those who are deeply involved in it. The vast majority of the people who hear my voice this morning are completely connected to your devices and technology. They might as well be drilled in and hooked to your brain. They have affected you and they have affected me greatly. They have caused us to think in certain ways, to do certain ways. And so I begin this by saying that every godly parent in this room, you must pay attention to both worlds. They're both real to your children and to you. You must pay attention to the virtual world because you participate in it. And the way you participate in that virtual world has an impact on your spiritual life. And you must also pay attention to how your children participate in that virtual world as well as in the real world. We used to only talk about what, what you would do with your children. Uh, in relationships of people they see, but now it's all electronic. In fact, the saddest thing in the world is to go to a restaurant. You might go there today, and you see everybody sitting at the booth. Mom, Dad, and the kids. No one's talking. They're all looking at a device. You see, sinners will try to entice you to join them in their sin. Sinners love to see others sin. That's why they'll say, Come, join us. Come join us. If you turn on the internet... They say, come and join us. If you listen to it on your phone in chat rooms and you text with certain ones, they say, come join us. Come join us. If you go to certain places, physical places, and you sit down with certain people and a certain crowd, they say, come join us. They say, come and join us. It's enticing. You're a special person. We want you to be one of us. They say, come and join us. Come and sin with us. They say, come enjoy the sin and the benefits of sin with us let us let us ambush the innocent verse 11 let us swallow them alive we'll find all kinds of precious wealth verse 13 and we'll fill our houses with spoil throw in your lot with us do what we do follow us in our thoughts think the way we think take up our values come be with us it's the enticement and it looks so beautiful It all looks so wonderful. You turn on the TV and it glitters and it shines. And the prettiest people are doing it. And it all looks so lovely. And we pull ourselves. The super predator, he allows this world to glow as if there is some special enchantment about it that if you'll just live like this... You'll be happy all the days of your life. Come be with us. Come be with us. And I say to every parent here today, first of all, your godliness is determined by how you choose to live your life in this world and who you choose to associate with, and that includes your virtual life. You see, you may be here this morning and the most disturbing thing for you is you certainly, you parents, wouldn't want anybody to check your search engine and all the places you've been on your computer. You wouldn't want them to pick up your phone and accidentally see what you've been looking at on your phone. Or the nasty terrible texts you've been posting about someone else and attacking them. Or the lies that you've been posting. You see, this is a very real matter. How in the world we what would we say about the irresponsibility of any parent in this room within the sound of my voice who would take their child and take them out to a to a particular place in the world? Let's just pick the mall. There's not many of those left. The stores. Let's just take them to the store and say, "Hey, listen, good luck. We'll see you." Later on, I'm going to leave you right here. You figure it out, and you know how to get home, and I'll talk to you later. And so we come up with these matters, and we say, we say to our children, here's a, teleph- here's a cell phone for you. Oh, all your friends will teach you how to use it. Don't worry. Well, I don't know how to use it, but your, ki- your friends, will- of course they'll teach them where- how to use it. Here's a computer for you and you can look at that. Don't worry, we've got internet. Hallelujah, praise God. we got internet. Yay, yay, yay. Who would think it responsible to turn a child loose in a hostile world without any boundaries, without any protection? And I submit to you one of the most dangerous things happening in the families of the church are men and women who decide what they're going to do with their kids by asking their children what they think. Now, has that ever worked? Ever. I saw a mother the other day trying to reason with a five-year-old. Now, honey, do you want chocolate or do you want vanilla? Do you want vanilla? Do you want chocolate? Why are you asking a child with no awareness what they want? It is the job of godly parents to say, my son, my daughter, if sinners entice you, do not consent. They need boundaries. Oh, if they cry and roll around on the ground because you restrict the internet and your devices, they'll live. They'll be okay. They won't die a short death. They won't be deprived, except that you'll keep their eyes away from the ungodly things, the ungodly things they don't need to see and witness. Because everything is available now, if you send them and set them loose on the internet. Perhaps this is one of the most important decisions you will ever make for your children. You say, well, I don't want them to be sheltered. Well, how's that working for you the other way? They're working out good? Just let them know it all? Just let them see open ungodliness and wickedness? Of all kinds on the internet? Oh no, we've come to a full different place now in the 21st century in having to talk about this. And I could spend the rest of my time here, but I'm only saying this to you because this is the danger. This is the danger of the enticement of the world. And don't you think it's just for your kids? Some of you need to go home today and repent of the places you go on the internet. You need to remove yourself for it. Or you know what? Just rip the thing out of the wall and you'll be better for it and turn your phone off. Bless God. What a wonderful thing it would be. Godly parents, thirdly, live and teach their children not to yield to a lifestyle of sinfulness. Come with us. Come with us. Verse 15, My son, do not walk in the way of them. Keep your feet from their path. You see, there's a parallel passage in Psalm uh, number 1, verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, and sit in the seat of scoffers. You see, the sinful lifestyle is one of advice. You can, did you know you can go to the virtual world or you can go hang out with the wrong crowd of sinners and they'll give you advice on how to be even more Wicked. They'll teach you how to sin in more ways than you can even imagine. They'll, they'll come up with ideas. You see, that's the, counsel, that's the counsel of the wicked. They'll tell you that believing God and listening to the Word of God and following Jesus Christ is a fool's game. They'll talk with ridicule about God. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Oh, there's plenty of counsel among the wicked. There's plenty of counsel in the world. You must teach your children the danger of adopting the lifestyle, the attitudes, the philosophy of the world. That that is what Psalm 1 calls this matter of the counsel of the wicked. But you see, the sinful lifestyle also is a path. You go down it and the further you get down it, you can't hardly get back. Oh, the pathway of sin... It takes you in places you don't want to go. It shows you things you don't want to see. The pathway of sinner, the Lord Jesus said, is broad and wide. It is a place where sinners go, but there's destruction at the end. The life of sinners is not only a council of wickedness, but it is not only a path of sinners, but it is also a place where people sit and scoff God and the godly. Don't sit in the seat of a scoffer. Surely there's not a Christian in this room and you've become a scoffer. Well, your heart's not right if you're a scoffer. You must repent of your sins if you're living in scoffing. And don't don't believe that your children don't see when you're living in the counsel of the wicked and walking in the paths of sinners and when you're sitting in the seat of scoffers, Oh, sinners like to party and pretend in all of their sinfulness that everything's going to be great. Our men are going to see a great, a great spectacle when they go to the motorcycle world of all the partying and pretending that goes on. And there those people will be living as if there's nothing else that matters. Ecclesiastes 7.4 says, The mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. The mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. Stay away from the lifestyle of the sinner. Get rid of it. If you're a parent here, how can you speak to your children about walking in the right way, not joining and, and taking in the enhancements of the world? If you live that same way, you must make a separation between yourself and... And the wicked, do not walk in the way of them and keep your feet from their path. There's nothing there that will give you any joy. There's nothing there that will ever bless you. Stay away from them because sinners, verse 16, they run to sin all day long. They start in the morning. They go all day. It is their desire to sin. This is a description of all of us who are in this room who were once sinners who were unsaved. We live the same way. And bless God, one day you were born again and your life was changed and you chose to live a new way. Sinners rush to sin every day and they can't stop sinning. Birds won't get trapped in a net. They fly away. But verse number 18, but they lie in wait for their own blood and they ambush their own lives. Finally, godly parents teach their children that sinners are on a path to self-destruction. They lie in wait for their own blood, and they ambush their own lives. You see someone today living in the sinfulness of sin, in the pleasures of sin. You see someone living that way in the world. You see someone blinded in their minds from the truth of the gospel. I tell you today, sadly, they're on the way to destruction They're on their way to hell. It is your job as a parent, godly parent, to speak to your children about heaven and hell, about eternal life and eternal death, about the judgment of God that is coming upon wickedness. The wages of sin is death. Sinners live in self-delusion about the dangers of their sinfulness. They lie and wait for their own blood, and they ambush their own lives. And sinners live in self-destruction. And the ways of everyone who gains by violence, it takes away the life of the possessor. So what do we remember today as we finish? Well, number one, godly, godly parents do not yield to a lifestyle of sinfulness. If today, if today you are convicted about the world you are living in, in front of your children, you must repent of your sins. You must get things right in your virtual world. For some of you, the most important thing you could do is stop all of your social networking. Because you're not networking with the right people. You're listening. Did you know when you post whatever you post, did you know it's there forever on the internet? And also... Everybody's reading it. And whatever you're posting tells the crowd you're running with. Whatever you text tells a lot about who you are. Whatever you copy text and po- put in there towards someone else to destroy the innocent. To violate someone else in their own, their own relationship with their own family in some way. This is a very important matter. What children see in us, they, they imitate Godly parents who teach their children godly ways are are giving them the greatest blessing of a lifetime. You're teaching them the truth of God's Word. And whether they follow it or not, you have given them a life blessing. Keep teaching them all the ages. Some of you with your adult children need to go through these things. and You don't need to say, hey, by the way, I've got this sheet that Pastor Mike gave me." Just bring it up in your conversation. Talk to them about who they're running with, their friends, who they're associating with. If they're younger, look at their phone. Have some of you parents looked at your children's phone in a while? I'm talking about the ones who know how to use them. Have you looked what's on there? Do you know where they go? Do you know who they associate with in the virtual world? Someone's teaching your children and it may not be you. Every day, every day they're learning the world's lessons while you idly sit by. You know, a, a, a technology device is not a substitute for a mom and a dad. Here, here, little five year old, just play with this and I'm going to go do what I want to do. What in the world? Are you mad? Have you lost your mind? Are you that selfish? Get down there and play with them. You might have to ask somebody to help you get up, but get down there and play with them. They'll never forget it. Because it's a real person who cares enough to talk to them, to see them, to speak with them. And are you ready for this? Spend time with them. You see, bad company corrupts good morals. That's what 1 Corinthians 15.33 says. Here's old Pastor Mike saying it again. Oh, bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company on the internet, and bad company down at the mall, bad company at the store, bad company at the house, bad company corrupts good morals. You learn. You learn from the people you're associated with. And the way of sin leads to destruction. Our blessed Lord said, the gate is wide, the way is broad, that leads to destruction. And there are many who are entering through it. And do not love the world. Our dear Apostle John, our spiritual father told us. Well, I've asked you almost every week to think about the latest portrait of your family as we finish now. Do you have it in your mind? And maybe it's on your... Maybe you have a little picture of it on your desk at your work. Or you have it on your phone. The portrait. It's it's the one that has all the family in it. There are all those sweet boys and girls. And there are all those grown up now boys and girls who are your children. And all your grandchildren. There they are. Every one of them a gift from God. And the question I ask for you today is this. Have you taught them to resist the enchantment, the enticement, of the world because you have chosen to live for God and to resist evil and resist the devil and walk as a spiritual man or woman in this world. Do they see Jesus in you, parents? Do they hear Jesus in your words? Do they see it in your life? Do they sense it in the words and the actions that you speak? Well, you see... If you're a parent here today, as you look at that portrait, you must ask yourself, honestly, am I living a sinful lifestyle and running with the wrong crowd? Have I, been in, have I yielded to the enticement of flesh and sin before my children? You know what, if you go that way as a parent, you will do great damage to your children. Choose today whom you will serve, the gods of this world. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a statement of repentance and commitment to do the right thing for our children and our grandchildren. And then ask yourself, have I taught my children the danger of living in sinfulness? I'm a little bit past time, but I want to tell you this story. When I was 17 years old, I was a youth minister. Is the first place I served, and Brother Harvey, Albright, now in heaven, God bless him. He put up with so much as a young with a young youth minister. I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what was going on. I loved Jesus. I knew it was called ministry. And so, Brother Harvey was out of town one week, um, and uh, we got a call at the church, and uh, one of the men who attended our church was dying at the hospital and I was told I need to go there so I go to the hospital and there I find this man in this very desperate condition I was 17 years old I'd never seen uh, in those days it was very different than now and and uh, with uh, medical procedures but I'd never seen a man in such a terrible condition of cirrhosis of the liver well he died that day and I'm 17 years old, and thankfully we had one of our godly deacons with me. I'm so grateful. But the wife wanted us to come right then to her house. She said, I need you to come right now. You must come. So we go to the house. And there, for me, it was something I'd never seen in my life. My family did not drink. And therefore, she wanted us to come to the house. This man attended church not judging, I'm just simply saying he was an alcoholic. Hard liquor scattered everywhere. She wanted it all gone that day, that time, right then. So this dear deacon and I spent an hour and a half pouring out hard liquor down the toilet, down the drain, getting rid of all of the cases out in the garage. He had hidden it away everywhere because his life was controlled by alcohol. By the way, I've never seen any good thing with alcohol, just in case you want to know. There's nothing about alcohol that I see good in at all of any kind. But you see, it taught me a lesson as a young boy about how far sin will take you and how sin will control you and keep you from being what you ought to be. And for some of you, you're in the clutches as a parent of sin. You are living a sinful, ungodly lifestyle. And you are doing damage to your own soul, but you are also doing damage to your children. You must repent of your sins and make it right. I went back and spoke with my mother and father about it, what I'd seen. I talked with those, those uh, students in my youth group about what I'd seen. Talk with your children about the consequences of living in sin. You can have that lesson. There's a lot of ways to teach it. And you must do it as a parent. Grandparents can do the same when you have your turn with them. Someone said to me, what am I going to do to these grandkids when I've got them? Well, now you know. Now you know. Warn your children about running with a sinful crowd rather than following Jesus. Well, at the end of life, my name is still attached to my children. So is yours. At the end of life, my name is attached to my grandchildren. So is yours. So as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My son, hear your father's instructions and do not forsake Do not forsake your mother's teaching. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Those words may be for you as a believer today from the Heavenly Father. My son, my daughter, my son, my daughter, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Resist and follow Jesus to the glory of God.